All right. Julie Ewald here with the All Bound Awesomeness podcast brought to you by Impressa Solutions. And today I am here with the amazing Amy Foley. Hi, Amy. Hi, Julie. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here. So for those of you who don't know Amy, Amy started her entrepreneurial journey in 2011 when she left her corporate job to have more flexibility and time with her family. And she started a small virtual assistant business. That business evolved with the help of her co-founder, Michael Reynolds, into what is now known as Inbound Back Office, which provides back office support to marketing agencies. Amy has over 20 years of administrative experience in various industries, including manufacturing, real estate, accounting, marketing, software as a service, and more. She has a BA in business administration and a master's in information systems. When she's not running her business, she enjoys spending time with her family, running, traveling, and optimizing her health. So, Really a pleasure to have you, especially with all the great experience you have. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. So we'll be talking, um, we'll start out by talking about your business. So tell us about the Inbound Back Office. What, What inspired you there? So I didn't ever have a plan of you know, being like owning a business like this. Uh, it really kind of came from a need that I had. Um, I was working um, as an administrative assistant for uh, a small startup and I really loved it when I started, but as I found in every position I held, I kept getting, you know, I was very good at what I did. So nobody ever wanted me to leave that position, but they wanted to reward me and give me promotions, but it was really just more work and I never actually got to leave the administrative part. Um, and so, uh, and then I had a family event, uh, my son broke his femur, uh, when he was three. And so, um, they had to put him in a half body cast and (laughs) so it required two people to lift him. Like I had to be home. Like my husband and I had to be home. So, uh, I had, I really didn't want to be without pay for, you know, six weeks. Uh, so I begged and pleaded with my employer to try to let me work from home. And I was like, I know we can figure this out. I know we can make this work. And so they reluctantly agreed. I worked from home that whole time and I loved it. Um, I was so much more productive because I could work when I wanted to, which was like super early in the morning or super late at night. And then I could just be around for my family when I needed to. Uh, I got way more work done. Uh, I was happier, et cetera. So when I went back, I said, Hey, is there any way that we can, you know, work out some kind of like where I work from home sometimes and work in the office. And they said, absolutely not. So that's when I started to realize that there had to be other opportunities for me to be able to work from home. So I went out to Twitter and I looked for uh, people who, you know, I knew who worked from home, see if they had any um, leads for me and somebody did. And I took a part-time job working from home on nights and weekends. And they had said that it could possibly lead to full-time, which it ended up leading to full-time. So then I took that. So that was great. And, um, well, it was great. Eventually once I figured out how to actually work from home with children, (laughs) um, back before anybody was doing it. Um, 
And so once I got really good and efficient at that, I had all this extra time on my hands. So I went and I decided to start freelancing. I was like, you know, I have all these skills. I could probably help other people since now I know like the tools and, and how to work with other people remotely. And so I went to Twitter again and I just was like, hey, you know, I'm a virtual assistant. I would reach out to people who were looking for VA recommendations and I would just respond and say, I'm a virtual assistant. You want to talk? And like, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, I, I didn't really even think of myself as a virtual assistant, but that's what they needed. So that's what it's going to be. And in the first week, I got three clients. Um, and so it's like, okay, now I'm going to do this and figure out what I'm doing here. And my very first client was Michael Reynolds, who is now my you know business partner. And uh, he really took me under his wing with his company. He had an agency at the time. And um, I really learned about inbound marketing and all about, you know, HubSpot and all of that. And he started referring me to his colleagues. And I ended up getting so busy that I needed to hire somebody to help me. And it just kept going and going and going like that until now we have like, you know, 80 plus team members. (laughs) And eventually Michael realized that, you know, we had a good thing going. So why not partner up? and make this like a a real adult business instead of just me freelancing and having contractors, let's make it a real business. And so we did that and launched Inbound Back Office on its own in 2018. Um, And then we've just been growing ever since. No, that's a really awesome story. And it has a lot of parallels to my own entrepreneurial journey and how Impressive Solutions was formed. You know, really similar was freelancing, kind of got busy. It's like, well, what do I do now? Business. So, (laughs) you know, and with the same impetus to be able to have that flexibility and be able to work from home and be able Mm -hmm. to really be there for the things that are priorities. Um, So, really envi- enviable, you know, thing to do. So kudos. Yeah, thanks. And I, I love when I started um, hiring people to help me, um, I realized that there were other women who had the same feelings, like they were either stay at home parents, and they wanted to be able to bring in some money, not lose their skills, but also not, you know, leave their kids to have to go to work in an office. So that was something else I felt really good was to be able to give that to other women as well. No, that is absolutely awesome. So in terms of the business, what makes the inbound back office different from other firms? So a couple of things make it different. One is that we are a hundred percent us based. Um, that, That was a big thing that I learned um, when I was getting my first freelance clients is that a lot of those agency owners have tried to outsource overseas and had negative experiences for one reason or another, whether it's communication, language barrier, um, just quality of work. Um, So they tried the cheap route. (laughs) And so that was something I kept hearing and hearing and hearing. And I said, okay, if I'm going to do this, we have to be in the U.S. because that is what they want. Um, And so that makes us different. Plus, 
our services, we are truly on demand. We have no minimums or monthly fees or anything like that. So um, I know many other firms out there, um, they do have minimums. And so when when we're having sales calls and we say, you know, there's no minimums or anything. So like if there's a month where you don't need us, you're just not going to be charged. If you only need us for an hour, that's what you'll be charged for. Like it's truly like you're only paying for what you're using and you could take six months off and come back and we'll be ready to help you. Um, so I think those two things really set us apart. So as you're looking to find these U.S.-based virtual assistants, how do you vet them? How do you figure out that they're a good fit? Yeah, so this is always a hard thing. <laughs> In the beginning, I was doing it myself and I learned a lot of hard lessons by hiring a lot of the wrong people. Um, so that actually kind of gave me and now our operations manager, um, a lot of um, just little nuanced things to look for and to listen for. And you just know, like, they're not going to work out because they said this particular thing or they have this particular attitude. Um, but really, we have several layers to our hiring process from when someone responds to uh, one of our ads to, you know, when they actually get to talk to us. Um, and so a lot of times people just self-select out. We, we end up weeding out a lot of people that would not be good fit. And it was kind of hard in the beginning because it's like, oh, well, you know, maybe it was just this one thing and maybe we can make it work. Um, and I did that a lot and it never worked out. Like, and I just had to come to terms with that, that like, no, when you see a red flag, just take it for what it is and move on. Like, <laughs> don't act out of desperation because you will waste a ton of time and probably money in giving refunds to your clients. <laughs> so um, while it it takes a little longer to get to get to the end, um, you're not spending a lot of time talking to the wrong people. And once once people get through all of those layers. Uh, we end up talking to the best of the best. And at that point, then it's just like, you know, looking for people with the best skills and really those people who can work in an autonomous environment. Um, I have found that a lot of people are, say that they are experienced in working from home, but they are not. It's our company is a little different because you're not just working for one company. You're working for maybe five different agencies. <laughs> and so being able to juggle that is a little bit different. So we have to make sure that they have that type of experience as well. Yeah, the, the experience working from home is so key. Uh, we've been all remote since day one, and a lot of folks that we've like, tried out or wanted to work with or were interviewing, you can kind of tell that someone wants to work from home, but they need to be able to work autonomously. They need to have that other kind of ambition and drive, you know, not there are some people who thrive with having someone looking over your shoulder, and we need folks that are totally fine working independently. Uh, and it's hard to find those folks sometimes. Yeah, it really is. They almost have to be a little entrepreneurial, um, but just not so entrepreneurial that then they want to steal all your clients and go run their own business. <laughs> it's a fine line. <laughs> yeah, it definitely is. So when working with a virtual assistant, and so we've worked with virtual assistants for years, 
So for other agencies or even just any B2B organization, where can you get the most value from a virtual assistant? Uh, in my experience, um, I would say uh, really any tasks that you like, I mean, it's kind of different because we have we have clients who are, you know, just individual marketing consultants. And for them, it's like any tasks that they're not good at or that they don't absolutely love. Um, those are the tasks that they should be using a BA for. For agencies, it's a little different because they have some staff already. Um, so it's really they're looking where their efficiencies are lacking and where, uh, you know, someone because a lot of times what happens is agencies will hire somebody to, you know, for like a, a marketing assistant and they want that person to be able to do everything marketing related. And in my experience, no one person has excellent skills in every single piece of marketing. It just doesn't work out. Um, and so, you know, finding out where those gaps are and using a virtual assistant to fill those gaps um, is really where uh, they tend to find value. Um, another thing that I see is that every single agency that we talk to usually needs a project manager if they don't already have one. Um, they don't want to spend the money because they can't see a tangible result like a blog post or you know a digital ad, but it's it makes everybody's lives so much easier when they finally do it. And then they're like, oh my God, like everything just runs so much better. <laughs> yeah, that's um, finding the right things. And one of the, the things you touched on, a lot of folks like to find that unicorn. They expect to find someone who can own all of the things. And the reality is, like you said, no one has a skill set where they can do all of the things and do them well at a professional expert level. So finding the right person for the right task seems to be really key here. Yeah, for sure. And that's, that's exactly why our team is set up in specialized service areas. We hire for specialties. So you get a graphic designer, that is all they do is graphic design. Same with content writing. That's all that they might have other abilities within the team, but that's all they're doing for IBO <laughs> uh, because that's where they shine and that's where they're going to do their best work. And so the nice thing about IBO is that, you know, agencies can use somebody from every service if they want and get you know, they have a one-stop shop, but they're still getting the best of every single one of those services. Did you know that I'm an author? That's right. I have a new book out, The Inbound Marketing Machine, Unlock the Secrets to B2B Marketing Strategies That Convert. While marketing teams struggle to agree on what strategy actually looks like, this book gives you a holistic framework for content creation and distribution that converts more contacts, nurtures more leads, and benefits the bottom line. Get your copy exclusively on Amazon. And if you have Kindle Unlimited, you can read it for free today. So what are the kinds of marketing services that you generally see VAs being pulled in for? Or is it just like everything? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, everything, honestly. Um, you know, from content to social media, 
to graphic design, SEO, you know, even website development. Um, we even have strategists on our team. Now, most agencies, that's kind of what they do. So we don't really have a lot of um, demand for strategy, but every once in a while, you'll get a marketing consultant who might need a little help developing a strategy or something like that. Um, so even like specialized tools like HubSpot, um, you can find specialists who that's all they do day in and day out is work in that tool. And, you know, just having someone who can very efficiently get done what you need to get done within that tool can be super helpful. Excellent. So on the other side of that coin, how have you seen virtual assistants supporting sales processes? Yeah. So interesting that you asked this question because we have gone back and forth over the years having a service of sales assistant. Um, and we had, um, you know, we've gone through phases where we've had a lot of demand for it and then not a lot of demand for it. So now mostly just our admins handle it. Um, and really there are a lot of areas that they can help with from, you know, searching for prospects, qualifying those prospects based on, um, based on the, um, qualifications that an agency will provide to them. Um, they can, you know, do emails like templated emails, reaching out to those prospects, helping with scheduling calls. Um, and then after the call, they can, you know, follow up on those calls. And then, uh, even once, you know, someone, signs up or you close a deal, they can help with the onboarding process. Um, so there's really a lot of administrative pieces to sales uh, that a VA can help with. Awesome. So if someone's going to be hiring a virtual assistant, what are the tips you can offer going into that? Sure. Yeah. So I would say, um, you know, Talk to a couple different ones before you make a decision um, and kind of go with your gut uh, because I find when you're hiring humans, your gut is usually right. <laughs> uh, people can be great on paper, but uh, unless you feel good about the relationship, it's not going to work. And um, the other, another tip is start small. So if you've never worked with, um, a virtual assistant before, it's a good idea to start with like a small, low risk project. Um, that way, if it all goes to crap, you know, you haven't really lost a lot. Um, so like a lot of times when people start with us for the first time, they'll start with like a blog post. Super, you know, easy if, you know, it's not very high cost. And um, if they mess it up and it's not what you wanted, you know, you can always have, write a blog post, right? Um, you could even have chat GPT do it for you if you want. <laughs> um, so start small. And then once you kind of get into a groove, then you can add on after that. Um, and then third, but probably most important is to make sure that you are always communicating. Uh, this is one of the big uh, hurdles we run into. Uh, so clearly communicating expectations with your VA, um, they're not mind readers, they are amazing, but they still have not perfected mind reading. And, um, so they don't know if you don't tell them. So clearly communicating expectations, checking in with them often to make sure they have what they need and, uh, being available 
for, you know, questions, approvals, things like that. We have a lot of clients in the past who like they will assign something and then they totally go away and RVAs cannot get a hold of them. And then a project gets held up because they have a question that they need answered before they can move on. And so that derails a lot of projects. And uh, then, you know, the agency is left feeling, you know, like they got kind of bamboozled because, you know, oh, the VA didn't do anything, but (laughs) you know what I mean? (laughs) No, very much so. And even on the agency side, we've had that before too, where someone, I don't want to say ghosts us, but ghosts Mm -hmm. us in the middle of a project. And that's, you know, everything just comes grinding to a halt. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's really frustrating for everyone involved. Yeah. Yes, for sure. We've had team members do it to us even. And it, it's so frustrating. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and, you know, like we always tell our clients, like, um, I know it's different if you're hiring like an individual virtual assistant, but if you're with a company, always communicate with the company. If you at the first sign that you think something is not right <laughs> um, and just like say, hey, is everything OK from so and so in a day or two? And, you know, I just want to make sure everything's OK. Um, because if, if the company doesn't know, uh, you know, they can't help you. Excellent. So that was incredibly helpful for anyone, I think, who's considering hiring a virtual assistant and curious about how to get started and how to get the most value. So now we're going to do a hard shift and I'm going to talk to you about your own marketing and sales efforts. So you have an amazing podcast, uh, the Inbound Back Office podcast. Um, how long have you been doing it? Oh, it's been several years. I don't remember actually when it started. Us, I, I don't. Re- I don't even want to guess. But we have several hundred episodes. <laughs> yeah, you have quite a back catalog there. Um, yes, you've been doing it for a while. Mm-hmm. So, why did you start it? Um, Michael made me do it. I didn't want to. <laughs> um, this was back like he he has always loved doing podcasts. He had one at, at his old agency. Um, and he's just like, Oh, yeah, this would be really great. Like, we should do a podcast. And I was like, Seriously? Um, <laughs> and so, um, we really just wanted to talk to agency owners and create kind of, um, it's more of like, we like to think of it as like a a big mastermind for marketing agencies um, where, you know, because every agency has their own ways of doing things and their own experiences. And, you know, by them sharing their, you know, expertise, it can maybe help another agency or consultant with their business. So um, that's really why we started it. It wasn't necessarily like, oh, we need to do this so that we can get more clients. It was just, let's just do this fun thing so we can kind of talk to, and it was really just our clients that we were interviewing at first, um, which made it a little bit easier and they were honored to be guests. So it just kind of seemed like a, more like a client nurturing thing that we could do um, and then also help the agency community as well. Oh, excellent. So, you know, how has that benefited your marketing overall from having the podcast? Yeah, so the podcast itself 
hasn't really helped the marketing. <laughs> um, our podcast is not that uh, popular, which is totally fine. Uh, where we find the most value, honestly, is um, by uh, talking to the guests. So we, I do a lot of, and I do all of the guest prospecting. Uh, I don't, I'm not the host of the show anymore, but I still reach out to agency owners and ask them to be guests on the podcast. And nine times out of 10, they'll be honored that they were asked and they'll be a guest, but they'll also ask about our services because it just kind of introduces inbound back office without being salesy and kind of like, Hey, I want to do this thing for you. Do you want to be a guest? Share your expertise. Talk about yourself. You know who doesn't love that? And um, and I just leave it at that. And then a lot of times they just ask about our services, and it opens that communication. So it sounds like while it hasn't been that beneficial to your marketing efforts in terms of your sales efforts, it's been really valuable. Yes, for sure. Mm-hmm. Especially because. Um, I'm big on LinkedIn. And so it kind of flows into all that LinkedIn networking I do because they can look into me and know that I'm not some kind of spammer. And they know that I'm like a legitimate person and I'm on LinkedIn all the time. And I have all of these other connections and people that I am interacting with daily. Um, so, you know, it, that kind of builds the trust there and they're like, oh, well, you know, if you're, you know, networking and interacting with these people, then, you know, and they trust you, then I can probably trust you as well. Um, so it really plays well into that whole ecosystem. Um, and just, you know, even if they don't respond, I still interact with them on LinkedIn and then, you know, eventually they may. No, that's, that's brilliant. And I think for the folks listening to this, there's a lot of, you know, we're starting a podcast. There's a lot of other folks considering it. And there are, you know, some expectations that come with it. And a lot of folks expect that it's going to be this huge boon for their marketing. However, just to speak very plainly as an agency owner uh, and a podcast host, it's more beneficial if it's helping your sales efforts like that as well. Um, being able to open the doors, build that rapport, build those relationships, uh, all extremely valuable. So I can see why you've been doing this for so long. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I, I mean, it, it's, I still like remember telling Michael, this is never going to work. Like, I don't understand why we're doing this. This is stupid. And um, I, I'm just amazed at at how receptive people are to it. Um, since we didn't make it super salesy and, um, you know, just kind of made it about the guest instead of about us. So speaking of the guests, you said you're the one who does all of the guest selection how do you find folks? What do you have certain qualifiers? Do you have like some super secret tips? How do you find your guests? No, <laughs> I wish I did. Um, I connect with marketing agency owners and consultants on LinkedIn. Um, if they accept my request, then I will look at them to make sure that they are actually like legitimate agency owners. Um, and, you know, have some type of specialty or niche, and then I'll ask them to be on the show. Um, that's really what it is. Um, and uh, a lot of times I will also ask our current clients as well. Um, but, you know, a nice mix of current clients and, you know, other people who are not clients 
um, is what we like to go for. Um, as long as they have something interesting to share that, and they're not going to come on and just be a big advertisement for their agency, I mean, they can come on. Oh, excellent. So what are your tips then for folks like us who are getting started with a podcast? Uh, what's the best way to get started? And maybe what are some things that we need to avoid? <laughs> so my biggest tips are keep it simple. Um, if you overcomplicate it, you're probably not going to continue with it. Um, I know that's how I would be. Um, when I first started, I recorded in my bathroom, which is why we're not on video. Um, and uh, literally laptop, corded earbuds and Zoom. And we didn't, we do no editing. So I would just send it over to a person on my team and he would get it into Spreaker. And that was that. <laughs> Um, and I would write all the descriptions after, like right after the, the call so that, you know, it was fresh on my mind. It was really quick to be able to write it out. Um, so it was just super simple. If I had made it any more complicated, like I said, I wouldn't have continued with it. Um, so I think that's a big thing is keeping it simple and then just staying consistent. Um, back when I started, I was recording several uh, several interviews a week and, um, we were only publishing one a week. So I had a huge backlog. And so, um, there were times when I was just like, you know, I'm too busy to record right now. Or like if we were in the middle of a move and I can't record. So it was nice to have that big backlog, but I was only able to do that by staying consistent, you know, during most of the time. So just staying consistent, um, keeping it simple, don't worry about being fancy. Don't worry about messing up. And and also, like, I think a lot of people have feel pressure to, like, make it a certain length or, you know, something like that. Like, I, I always kept mine to, like, 30 minutes or less. And if it ended up being 10 minutes but super valuable, like, that was fine with me. Like, it didn't bother me. It was more about the content that I cared about. Um, so, you know, those would be my tips. Well, those are excellent tips. And I think for anyone, I know I will take those. Uh, and hopefully anyone else who are thinking about, you know, shuffling in a podcast into their, you know, their inbound, outbound, all bound effort will, you know, take those to heart because, you know, getting started isn't always easy. So it is not, it is not. But as soon as you take that next smallest action, you'll be off to the races. Excellent. So, for all of you who are listening to this, strongly encourage you to check out the Inbound Back Office podcast. Um, I know you had me as a guest years ago. It was a great experience. You've talked to a ton of brilliant agency folks, so there's a lot of good information there. Um, before we wrap up, anything we missed, anything you want to talk about? I don't think so. No, you covered a lot. Yeah, I think we're good. Yeah, this was a pretty, pretty action-packed 30 minutes. So yeah. Amy, really appreciate you being on. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was super fun. It was a lot of fun. So again, thank you. Thank you to everyone who's listening. Uh, strongly encourage you to come back next week and get some more All Bound Awesomeness. So talk to y'all later. <laughs>